Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, and appreciate you being here for yet another podcast on Everyday Truth. We just started getting postcards in the mail, so I'm excited to introduce some of these to you. Our very first postcard on Everyday Truth is one from Berlin, Connecticut, and this is from my very good friends, the Hunts, Dave and Amy Hunt. And Amy, thank you for taking the time to use special ink on your postcard. And they reminded me in the postcard that they live in the house of Elias Beckley, built in 1787. Sounds like a lot of upkeep to me, but it's a beautiful postcard and I'm going to enjoy this. So if you've not yet sent me a postcard from your area or from your vacation, I'd love to feature it here on Everyday Truths. And Amy and Dave, thanks for your friendship. And Amy, I'm so glad uh, that you're doing better. I've been praying a lot for you. Uh, Mark chapter three uh, in our Bible, we're in verse number seven today, and we're following the public ministry of Jesus. Jesus has just been challenged uh, for his desire to heal people, his desire to help people, his desire to give people the gospel. And he healed the man with the withered hand right in front of those critical Pharisees. And now it seems like there are these disparate groups that are all against Jesus. Why? He is a threat to their authority. Look at verse number seven of Mark chapter three, uh, where the Bible says that Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea and great multitude, a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. This happened several times in the ministry of Jesus where he became so popular and so busy that he actually was trying to escape the crowd. Why? Because the primary purpose for Jesus being on earth was not to attract a crowd. It wasn't to wow people with miracles. Remember, miracles themselves had a purpose, a purpose to confirm the validation or validate rather of the messenger, but more importantly, the message itself of the gospel. And the, the crowd could actually be an inhibition to the gospel. So Jesus is withdrawing himself and yet crowds are following him. Well, watch where the crowds come from. Verse number seven, a multitude from Galilee. That's the region where Jesus was. But look at verse number eight and from Jerusalem. Wow, that's five days journey all the way down south. And from Idumea, that would be like Edom. That's way, that's even further south. Then the Bible says, and from beyond Jordan. So that would be the region of Perea on the other side of the Jordan River. Then the Bible says, and, and they about Tyre and Sidon, that would be up in modern, modern day Lebanon. So I mean, from all over the place, people are coming to see Jesus. Now, for what reason? Because he's a miracle worker. Because people are hearing, hearing, this is the place we can get healed. Uh, This is the person that can help my mom, my neighbor, my friend. And they're bringing uh, their loved ones. They're bringing themselves to see Jesus. 
And the Bible says, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. So they're coming to the right person, but they're coming for the wrong reason. They're coming because they want physical healing. They're coming because they want help for their temporary malady, but they're not seeing their need for the gospel. They're not seeing the larger and deeper message of Jesus. Look at verse number nine. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. So Jesus is getting away from the press of the crowd, going into that little ship so that uh, he can speak to that crowd. For he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. This was really becoming a mob rule situation where people are just kind of clamoring. Picture some kind of a concert or some kind of a venue where people are just kind of pushing against each other and everyone's clamoring to get through that little door. Well, that's what's happening to Jesus right here. Such is the popularity of his ministry. Verse number 10, for he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. I just read that, verse number 11. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. So interestingly, in the ministry of Jesus, we, we see a high prevalence of this spiritual warfare, a demonic presence and demonic possession. Uh, why? Because Jesus, the Son of God, is on earth. Now, remember, there's an, uh, an entire unseen world out there uh, that is real, just as real as you and me, and yet we don't see it. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so while there is a seen world, what we can taste and feel and smell and hear and see uh, with the senses, there's also an unseen world. And it's just as real. Now, remember, Jesus is the incarnate uh, incarnate deity, the God, the Son, the Son of God. So these demons that are possessing these unfortunate victims, these people, they know who Jesus is. Now, these are among the fallen angels. These are they that have interacted with God in heaven in years gone by and now are encountering God on earth and have to admit, albeit somewhat begrudgingly perhaps, that this is the Son of God. Amazing. The Bible teaches in James chapter 2 that the devils also believe and tremble, believe in the sense that they know that God is God. They know who Jesus is. They don't argue his identity, but they're unwilling to submit to his authority. So we're finding that throughout this passage, are we not? We're finding Pharisees, those that represent uh, religious Jewish law that are unwilling to, to submit themselves to the authority of Jesus. The Herodians uh, that don't want to submit themselves to the authority of Jesus. No, our king is Herod. Uh, our kingdom is Rome. Or the demons themselves who will attest to the identity of Jesus but do not submit to his authority. Look at verse number, uh, oh my, verse number 11 again where they say, thou art the son of God. Look at verse number 12. 
and he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Now, why? Why would Jesus say, don't tell people about me? It sounds like a reverse uh, commission, not the great commission, but the no commission. What do you mean don't tell people he's the son of God? Is that not a good message to tell people that Jesus is the son of God? Well, of course it is, but not from this kind of messenger, not from a demon possessed person, not from a demon himself. You see, uh, a message must have the authenticity of the right kind of messenger. No, obviously we are to tell people who Jesus is. The very purpose of the, of the book of John was to demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God and then believe on him, have life in his name. But this is the improper kind of messenger, a, a, de a demon-possessed person, a demon himself. And so God's will must be done in God's way with the right heart motive. Uh, Jesus is attracting all kinds of opposition in his public ministry. Let's look at just a couple more, more verses before we uh, run out of time. Look at verse number 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth, calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. It's interesting as you compare Matthew and Mark and Luke. Sometimes we call them the synoptic gospels. Sin, S-Y-N, meaning together, like like uh, uh, like synthesis, uh, and then optic, meaning to see. So uh, synoptic gospels are those that we typically view together. Why? Because they have so many similarities. They tell some of the same stories. And uh, this one might give this detail. This one might give that perspective. But we they complement each other. And so as we look at Matthew, as we look at Luke, as we look at the other uh, passages that deal with the calling of the 12 and then the, 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 the following Sermon on the Mount, this is that location in Mark where Jesus is calling his disciples unto him, calling them formally. So he's calling from among many 12 to be with him. We'll talk about what that means tomorrow. So what, what do I see? I see great multitudes uh, that want to follow Jesus, but not for any real reason other than Jesus can heal me, Jesus can help me. But from among many of those that are following Jesus, Jesus identifies just a few, 12, that he is going to call and pour his life into them and mentor and disciple, and they in turn will change the world. So we'll come back to that uh, next episode. But uh, matter of fact, we might even come back to this very verse next episode. So don't miss it. Appreciate you joining us today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.